Here's how to land a software engineering internship in 2024, step-by-step. Hi, welcome to episode 17 of Backs of All Trades podcast, where today I'll be walking through everything you need to know to land your first internship in software engineering. Obviously, this is a field that has become wildly popular in the past couple of years. I personally work as a software engineer now at a much They're a very small startup, uh, but previously I have held a number of internships, some at bigger companies, some at smaller companies. And for many, this is a big question is how do you land your first internship? How do you break into tech? And the field has changed a lot recently. It's become a lot more competitive because of how popular it has become. Uh, This is primarily due to the fact that people have realized that (laughs) compensation is very high. It's a field that has pretty good work-life balance. And generally, I think people do actually enjoy coding. And uh, I want to hopefully provide all the information in a single video to help you land the first internship. Because once you do that, the rest of your career actually becomes a lot easier because the first internship, once you have something to put on your resume can then sort of have a domino effect and you'll be able to land your second internship easier. And then eventually your full time offer easier and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't really have to tell you the benefits of landing a software engineering internship, but I will anyways, which is that you need to start your career during college. Uh, This is primarily for university students, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but Long days are over where you can just sort of get your degree and then land your first high paying job out of college without any experience. You need to actually be building experience under putting experience under your belt during university. And you do that through internships. Um, So the primary benefit really in having a software engineering internship is that you will be building experience and building qualifications during university, right? Right. The sort of secondary benefit is they actually can pay pretty well, um, but honestly, the money that you make during your internship will hopefully be insignificant compared to the amount of money that you'll make as a full-time software engineer. So uh, the first and most important benefit is just it kickstarts your career during university. Uh, As I sort of alluded to before, the state of tech in 2024 is that it is much more competitive than previous years, right? It was mainly sort of after COVID and then we saw a lot of layoffs and a lot more reduction in hiring in 2022, starting in 2023 too. But now all the way through 2024, that is sort of held, right? It used to be a lot easier to land internships and to land software engineering positions sort of pre-2022 in 2019. And even during, you know, the global pandemic that we had, it was, uh, there was such a high demand for software engineers and the sort of amounts of people who were qualified had not yet caught up. And now that's really no longer the case because there's a lot less open positions and a lot more people applying for those positions. I personally do not think that the field is saturated at all. That just is by nature of the fact that software engineers will only be only continue to be more and more in demand. However, that doesn't mean that it is as easy to get a job now as it was previously, because it is absolutely not. What does that mean? That means that you have to be more competitive. A more competitive landscape means that you need to stand out more. And so a lot of the advice that people gave previously about how to land your first internship, I think has changed. And I hope to talk about some of those in this video as well. Uh, 
As I mentioned before, this video is for people in university who are currently pursuing either computer science as a major or software engineering or some other related field, right? I personally studied computer engineering and I got a minor in computer science. Why do I say that? If you look at the internship listings, like the actual application listings for these positions, most of them will say under the requirements pursuing a bachelor's degree in either computer science or a related field. So there's a lot of people who think, oh, can I become a software engineer without going to university? The answer is yes. It is incredibly difficult. It is not an area that I am too well versed in. I have never worked with a self-taught engineer. Let me repeat that. I have never worked with a self-taught engineer. Uh, I've worked at three companies now and every single person who I've worked with has a degree. Many of them even have like higher ed in a, a master's degree or even a PhD, but the bachelor's is pretty much the minimum that I would recommend if you want to break into this field. And secondarily, if you're studying a completely unrelated degree like biology or communications, it's going to be very difficult to land a software engineering internship. And so if you fully believe that you want to be a software engineer and you are either not enrolled in university or are not pursuing computer science or software engineering or a related degree, I highly recommend you start, right? Go study computer science at a university, a four-year accredited, four accredited university, preferably. That will make your life so much easier. I'll talk about like, does college, which the does the college you go to matter? I'll talk about that later. Let's get right into it, right? When are you ready, right? This is a big question. When are you ready for your first software engineering internship? The short of it is after you take the course, Data Structures and Algorithms. This is a course which usually comes after intro to, uh, intro to programming and possibly even after intro to object-oriented programming. That's at least how the curriculum was structured at Georgia Tech. And what Data Structures and Algorithms teaches you is a lot of the fundamentals of the algorithms and data structures that are used in day-to-day -day life as a software engineer. It is sort of the uh, backbone or the base level understanding of what is required and what is actually used in day-to-day -day life as a software engineer. Pre like before that, right, uh, you learn like the basics, right? Syntax, stuff like for loops, if statements, that stuff is very important to learning how to code. But just knowing those is like knowing is like having a bunch of Lego blocks um, that you learned what they do and how they fit together, but you haven't actually put anything together yet. Data structures and algorithms is really the course that kind of puts those all together. Additionally, it will be after that course, you will have the base level understanding to actually perform Leet code. Leet code is the type of problems you'll see in interviews. And I'll talk about that later. Um, but I had a question that was actually asked on one of my social medias where uh, essentially somebody left the comment. I'm a 16 year old. Can I get a paid internship after taking Harvard's CS50 course? For those who don't know, Harvard CS50 is a wildly popular online course that is free offered by Harvard that is essentially intro to programming. That's They just put it online. You can go take it. If you're interested in programming, it's probably a good option for you to go take it. If you're already in university, you should have a very similar course, so you don't have to do it. Um, but my answer was sort of to set expectations, right? That would be like saying, can I get a job as a paid Spanish translator after taking Duolingo for a week, right? The, it's, it's a ridiculous question because in order for a company to pay you for your services, you need to be able to provide value. And just knowing something like HTML, CSS, or the very basics of understanding, you will not be able to provide value. You're just not good enough yet. Um, I think there's a 
sort of area where it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And that is the literal tip of the iceberg of understanding when it comes to software engineering. There are people who are 40 years deep in their careers and are still learning and there's still much more they can learn. So to learn that you are not all of a sudden, you know, proficient in coding. Um, it's a great start. And I uh, what do I say? It's a great start and I commend you on it, but it is not the end of your journey there. And, um, so basically kind of what I was saying, you need to be able to provide value for a company in order to be able to land an internship. And in order to be ready to do that, you have to be able to solve problems that business problems that they actually want you to. And here's the other thing. Companies put a lot of investment into interns, right? The monetary aspect is actually one of the more insignificant investments that they put into you. Companies really only bet benefit from having internship programs by trying to turn those interns into full-time employees because think about the onboarding period and then getting acquainted with the team, teaching you about like general software engineering processes and stuff like that. That takes a lot of bandwidth from more senior engineers that could have been working on just coding stuff. And so really what they're doing is they're making a bet that they want to see is sort of like a prolonged interview. Could you become a full-time engineer for this company? And so it's not like a freelancing job. It's not like a contracting gig, right? You should think of it as the prolonged interview of, am I going to become a full-time position at this company? And granted, I'm not saying that as soon as you intern somewhere, you have to think, should I be full-time here? But that is what the company's thinking. And you need to have that in your mind. Um, so when are you ready for a sweet internship after you take data structures and algorithms and after you start practicing lead code, um, which again, I'll talk about later, what type of companies should you try and pursue if you uh, are applying for your first internship? Everybody has heard of Fang. And if you haven't, Fang is essentially the group of companies that everybody wants to work for as a software engineer. And even as an intern, I mean, the moment I stepped on Georgia tech's campus, it was like, how and when can I get an internship at Fang? Fang is an acronym. It's Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. And uh, nowadays it's more like Meta and then Microsoft is in there and Netflix really isn't. But the point being, these are the elite, elite companies that a lot of people want to get an internship at. You are competing against the best of the best when applying for these people, for these positions, right? They literally receive hundreds of thousands of applications. So Honestly, if you have had no internship experience and you are, say, a sophomore, like looking for your internship after your sophomore year of college or even after your freshman year, you can apply to Fang. But I would not have that as sort of like your base of if I don't get Fang, then I'm a failure. A lot of people I saw do this. They tie it to their identity and it's like, oh, I wasn't good enough for them. And they they're hurt. You have no, like you get rid of your ego, right? You are not ready or not. You may be well ready, but they don't have the, they're not going to take a risk on you basically because you haven't proved yourself. That's what I mean. You haven't proved yourself yet. And so how do you prove yourself? I personally, my first internship was not at a fang company, right? It was at a local company that was, it was big, but it was close to Georgia tech. And, uh, it was, they have ties with Georgia tech, which I'll talk about in a little bit as well. But essentially you do not have to work at one of these big companies. Why? Because every company today needs software engineers. Uh, I'll use the example because I went to school in Atlanta, but guess who else hired interns from Georgia Tech? Chick-fil-A, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, Delta, right? It doesn't have to be a software company because everybody needs software engineers and getting an internship at a lot of these places is a lot less competitive than getting one at the Fangs because 
they're just not as glamorous to work for. But again, this is your first internship. So you don't need to shoot for the top, 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 or you can shoot for it. But if you don't get it, you need to prove yourself. And sometimes that means gaining experience at a different company. And uh, it could even be a really small company, right? I think that local companies are a great way to land your first internship because then you can actually have something to put on your resume that is a software engineering experience so that when you do apply, once you take more courses and you become a better programmer, then you can apply for the more elite level positions and actually have something to back up your resume, right? Going into that, right, I want to talk about resumes and resume tips, because I think so many people's resumes, whether they're applying for software engineering positions, I'll say across the board are garbage, but um, I'm going to talk about software engineering specifically and what should your resume look like? What should you put on your resume and general tips around that? So first and foremost, the basics, right? Formatting, do not use any fancy formatting, right? No two column resumes, no colors, no frills, no photos. Don't put any of that one page only. You can actually Harvard and MIT released uh, free resources on essentially how, what your resume should look like. Use a boring template, right? You have about 15 seconds to really attract a person who's looking at your resume. That's how quickly they're glossing over these resumes. And so they need to know where to find everything immediately. Use a boring template. If you are a U.S. citizen, put that on there. Um, now, as far as structure is actually concerned, right? Here's how I would do it. This is how I personally did my own resume. When I was applying for internships, I have my education at the top, I have my expected graduation date. I have my GPA. Now, this is a big one. Should, do companies care about your GPA when applying to internships? Should you put your GPA? Of course they care about your GPA. I don't know where this cope came from, where it's like, oh, GPA doesn't matter when applying to internships. There are literally companies that have a filter as part of the resume filtering process, which I'll also talk about in a little bit, that if you are not above a certain GPA, you are automatically thrown out of the pile. You need you like work on your GPA. It does matter right now. It's not the be all end all. If you have a bad GPA, don't put it on, but understand that if you do have a poor GPA, you will have to make up for it with other qualifications, other experiences, fantastic projects, etc. So yeah, put your GPA on there if it's good. Um, I personally had a section for technical skills, right? Technical skills. Uh, so many people I see like Arabic, uh, and Spanish and public speaking, and then like Python right next to each other, all in the skills section, right? That doesn't make any sense. They're not hiring you because you're uh, elementary level at Spanish. They're hiring hiring you because you know, Python. So have a section dedicated to technical skills that have the languages and frameworks that, you know, right? The actual tools that will be useful on the job. Uh, I would also, if you do not have any projects, then I would put relevant coursework. These are the courses that you've taken at university. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. That sort of signify what you've learned, stuff like data structures and algorithms or operating systems or distributed systems, right? Put stuff like that uh, on in a relevant coursework section. Uh, even if you have projects, you might have room for that as well. 
experience wise. If you have anything from high school on your resume, take it off. I do not care if you have another position, right? Unless, unless the high school experience is directly tied to like software engineering experience, but that's pretty rare. If you have that, go ahead and put it, but do not have any, no clubs, no AP scholars, none of that. Again, they're not hiring an intern because they did well on the SAT. It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. And so anything from high school, remove it, uh, under your project section, right? Cause I think that everyone should have a project session is section. If you've worked on some stuff, you are by the way, well within your realm to put projects that you did in classes, as long as you can make them sound good, right? Who cares that you did it as part of a curriculum? Maybe you did an impressive project in a class. Feel free to do it. A lot of people think that they have to be personal projects. I actually did no personal projects throughout my time at Georgia tech. Um, like nothing that I coded on my own. And I obviously still was able to land jobs. Um, but I did have projects from my courses when explaining your projects, right? So many people do it terribly. Uh, they, you need to have what, again, languages and frameworks you used for it and quantify. This goes for your experiences as well. Quantify, quantify, quantify. What does that mean? It means attach numbers to things when possible. If you improved something, did you improve it by 10%? Did you improve it by 50%? Uh, if you made something, how many users does it have? Does it have 10 users, 15 users, a thousand users? Uh, if you built something, you know, essentially try and attach numbers to things. Cause that makes the actual, uh, sort of impact of what you did very easily digestible. If you just say like built a tool that blah, blah, blahs, right. Then it's like, okay, that is kind of ambiguous on whether it's actually impressive or not. Um, so quantify wherever possible. Uh, I want to go back to formatting for a second. Sorry. Uh, make sure that you have consistent formatting as well. I can't believe I have to say this, but no spelling errors, consistent verb tenses, uh, everything in chronological order or reverse chronological order, basically starting from like the most recent to the least recent. Um, yeah, don't have any typos. Don't do anything. You, you, this should be the most polished document you've ever written back to projects. Uh, what type of like projects should you do? If you have no idea for a project, by the way, uh, my current company brev.dev, we have, a, I think a project that you guys would actually like to use. If you're interested in like AI and ML, then you can actually fine tune an open sourced model using Brev. We have an entire guide. I will link that guide down below, make a Brev account. And if you're going to do that, leave a comment below. Cause I think it'd be super cool. That way you're actually helping me and hopefully I'm helping you. It's a YouTube video explaining exactly how to do it. But I think that could be a really cool project on a resume because it shows that you are working with infrastructure. It shows that you're interested in AI. It shows that you actually know how to use these tools, which are like LLMs, which are blowing up right now. So, um, that's a project again, it's going to be in the description below. But apart from that, if you don't know what personal projects to do, build something, right? Build something that actually solves a problem in either your life or someone else's life. That's the easiest way. Cause people will be like, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make. Well, software can solve a lot of problems, right? And whether it's like you want to create a scheduling app for, you know, your college courses, or you want to create a calorie tracker, right? Whatever it is, something that you're interested in, make a project around that. Uh, don't do like a canned project that you like everybody's doing. Um, even though I just suggested one of our own, I think that uh, not many people will be doing the project that I mentioned, but uh, yeah, so many people will just like look up projects and basically like copy GitHub code. Don't do that. That's not going to be impressive. Uh, I think that in general, uh, you know, having 
one really impressive project is much better than having like five very, very mediocre ones. So many people are like, oh, send me your personal GitHub, like asking for my personal GitHub. I don't have a personal GitHub, guys, because the projects that I did, again, were in courses and I made them look really, really good. But um, it's not like I just filled up. Don't feel the need to fill up your GitHub with fluff because that's not necessary at all. As far as networking is concerned, I think a lot of people think that LinkedIn is like the be all end all. Um, I'm going to give you some general tips on LinkedIn, uh, but I actually don't think that LinkedIn is your most important tool when trying to land an internship. However, it is a lot of people's first entry point into like the networking of software engineering. So first of all, if you have the hashtag open to work uh, banner, get rid of it. Like this is so ridiculous to me, even if you're looking for a job, I think it's so funny that people do this that it, to me, it just gives the same energy as someone saying I'm painfully single right on like a dating app. It, it just gives off the wrong vibe, right? I get reached out to by recruiters almost daily on my LinkedIn and I don't even have the hashtag open to work. I don't think it's giving you the same vibe that you think it is. Um, if you're applying for internships, they know you're applying for internships. And if you're someone who they want to work for your company or they want you to work for their company, they will contact you. They're not going to see you're open to work and be like, Oh, this guy seems pretty interesting. I'm going to send him a DM. Not going to happen. Uh, Make sure you have a professional headshot and like a banner and your bio looks good, right? Don't just have a faceless LinkedIn profile and start DMing people. That's ridiculous, right? People like talking to people. And uh, additionally, if you're doing like cold outreach to people, like if you're messaging hiring managers from companies, especially if they're big companies, think about how that person receives it, right? They might be receiving tens, hundreds, if not thousands of messages. If it's just a cans like, Hey, I'm interested in opportunities to work at blank company. Uh, please let me know. And then you send your resume. They're not going to respond to that. Make it a human approach. Make it certain, like talk about something that you guys have in common or, uh, talk about, you've done some actual interest in the company and have a specific role you want to work for and explain why your experience will be applicable to that role. And again, this is going to be difficult for your first internship, which is kind of the reason why I don't think LinkedIn is necessarily the best, uh, place to go for finding your first ever internship, but nevertheless, it can be a tool. And I want to make sure that you understand that people like talking to people, right? Don't be a robot on LinkedIn. And that comes with like having a professional photo, a good bio, and actually making personal con connections and personal messages to people. Uh, the better way, in my opinion, to actually find companies that are willing to hire you is to use your network, right? If you are going to university, I don't care if it's a small school, big school, hopefully if there's a computer science department, right? Then there are people who have had internships, right? Talk to your fellow students, see where they're working, talk to older students, see where they're working, talk to professors, see if they have any ties to companies, because it is so much better to get a personal connection from someone you've met in real life than anywhere over LinkedIn or over cold emailing or over cold messaging someone. Uh, this is actually how I ended up getting my first internship, right? It was a friend of mine who had interned at a company and she was no longer working in that that position. And I said, Hey, can you like refer me basically? And she said, yeah. And she went directly to her boss and said, I have someone who I think might be good on this role to replace me. And I had an, I, basically, I just showed up to the place and had an interview. I didn't apply online. I didn't apply to any job postings. I didn't look on, look on LinkedIn. Right. And that's not a unique example. This is what you should be doing. This is how networking is actually done is Go through people that you actually know personally and try and get connections that way. It is so much more effective.
this, that also goes for referrals too, right? Uh, when I say referrals, there are referral processes where it'll go through some backdoor, basically like uh, internal portal. And so it'll, if you have somebody who's already working at the company, like as a full-time employee, then oftentimes they will have a, a portal where they can like put your resume in and you'll get an email and you won't even have to apply online, right? That's also very popular. So if you can find people who are working at the companies you want to work at there, that might also be an option. Um, as far as where to apply, right? As in like websites and stuff, short answer is anywhere and anywhere, like everywhere and anywhere, excuse me. Uh, you know, LinkedIn does have job postings. Uh, oftentimes companies will have their own postings on their own website, especially big ones. Uh, it might be, like I said, if you can backdoor do that, uh, GitHub will oftentimes there'll be like a GitHub page made by somebody where they'll list the internship, uh, option, like, uh, applications and the positions available. Look those up. Reddit has the same thing, right? This is a big community of people who are trying to find internships, use those tools and apply like literally hundreds of places, right? I said, it's competitive at the beginning. You need to get rid of your ego and understand that if you have no experience, right, you have to prove yourself and oftentimes have to get lucky and someone will have to take a bet on you. So don't apply to 10 places and be like, ah, you know, I didn't get a job either. They, they are missing out, right? A lot of people will use their own ego and be like, I'm such a good developer. Why don't they want me? And then blame the tech market, right? Or, um, you know, they'll do the opposite and be like insecure and be like, maybe I'm just not ready, right? Hundreds of applications, guys, listen to me, hundreds. And you only need one, right? You only need one. But um, once you get it, then again, the rest of your career becomes so much easier. So it's worth this investment. It does suck. Yes, I'm sorry, it's competitive, um, but it'll be worth it. Getting the interview, right? because applying places is just kind of like putting a breach out into the void. If you don't go through the backdoor method, like I mentioned, which I highly suggest, but if you're just applying online to hundreds of places and uh, a lot of people don't hear back from interviews, right? Or they just don't even get the interview. I mean, um, if you're not getting the interview, um, I have a couple things to talk about. First, does the university you go to matter? Of course it does. I don't know again where this cope comes from to where people think that somebody's going to look at a computer science student at Stanford and someone at a lo local community college the same way when their applications come through. They don't. I'm sorry. That's life, right? This would be like saying that looks don't matter in the dating scene. Of course they matter. Is it the only thing that matters? No. You can make up for looks in the dating scene through other ways. Are there shallow people who only look for looks, right? That would be analogous to a company who only looks for uh, this top, top schools. Those exist too, right? But of course it matters. If you go to a non-top school or a non-feeder school, that means kind of like how I said with the GPA, you will have to work harder. You'll probably have to apply more places. You might have to start at somewhere not as prestigious. Um, and you will have to make up for that as a shortcoming in other ways. It's a fact of life, right? Uh, you know, so understand that, yes, university does matter. That again, but you just because you go to a school that maybe isn't a top school, that doesn't mean you're doomed. Doesn't mean you can't become a software engineer. That is absolutely not true. It just means you might have to work a little bit harder. Okay. Apply to hundreds of places, like I said, and get rid of your ego. If you're not getting the interview, by the way, like if you're applying to hundreds of places and not getting an interview, that probably means that your resume is not making it past the resume scraping stage, which is uh, especially if it's at these big companies, that is 
literally an algorithm, right? It's an AI algorithm that takes your resume, scans a bunch of stuff and throws you out if you're not qualified. So if you, if you're applying to hundreds of places and not even hearing back from any of them, you might need to improve your resume. You might need to work a little bit more on yourself before applying. Uh, as far as prepping for the actual interview, right? This is a big one because, uh, you know, once you land the interview, you want to actually succeed during it. The short and sweet of it is lead code, right? Again, if you don't know what lead code is, lead code is a site where you can practice problems similar to those problems, which you'll get during the technical screen of a software engineering interview. And almost every company today uses lead code style problems. And almost every company today has a technical screen and you need to practice, right? Lead code. It doesn't matter how many projects you've built. Um, lead code is fundamentally a different type of thinking. In my opinion, it, it is uncomfortable the first time you try it. Like it's not going to come very naturally to you for some people. Maybe it does, but for most people it doesn't. And you need to become comfortable with the type of questions that are on lead code, the questions that are asked during an interview in the general format. A lot of people take it too far and they say that you need to do X amount of hard lead code problems, which if you go, try, if you've never done a lead code problem and you go look at a hard, it's going to seem impossible. Even an easy might seem impossible. Trust me that it does get easier with time. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how many lead code problems you should do because I think that's a bad metric to look at. But the point being, you do need to be comfortable with the format and you do need to have some general patterns um, of common things that are, show up in these interviews. And lead code is the way to do that. And, you know, the, the sad fact is, right, let's say if you're getting an interview and you're not getting the job, right, it does. Like I said, I don't care how impressive your projects are. I don't care your previous experience. Even I don't care what school do you go to or what your GPA is. If you do not perform during that technical interview, you won't get the job just how it goes. So, uh, make sure that you practice for that part of while you're doing that as well. Like while you're prepping, um, I would say that make sure that you talk aloud cause that's what it's going to be during the interview, right? Don't just code silently, um, on lead code while you're practicing. Cause then if you get into the interview and you're coding silently, they're not going to like that. They actually want you to talk through your thinking process. So make sure you do that, which leads me to the next topic, which is during the actual interview, right? Tips for during the interview you are human. They are human, right? You're not a robot. They're not testing you against the list of checkboxes, right? Even though they might have certain criteria they're looking for fundamentally, it's two humans deciding whether they want to work together. And so make sure that you're personable, make sure that you're smiling, make sure that you're confident, make sure that generally you come off as someone they would want to work with because people want to work with, they, you know, people they like. So make them like you. And uh, if you are just closed off, and coding silently or closed off and seem either super nervous or unfriendly, um, regardless of how the interviews interviewers acting, right? Make sure that you're warm, you're charismatic. It goes a lot further than you'd think. Um, this is obviously assuming that another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're actually able to perform the, the lead code problem that they're giving you. Um, like I said before, speak aloud while you're coding. I think that so many people 
don't do this for some reason. And I think it's, it's just shooting yourself in the foot. They want to, they, they're not inside your head. So especially if you're not totally sure on the problem, right? Admit when you don't know something. So you'll be coding. You'll say, Hey, I'm thinking about using this because of that. And honestly, I'm not sure if this is the right solution because X, Y, or Z talk aloud. And oftentimes if you're going down the wrong path, if you're talking aloud, they will sort of steer you towards the right one. They don't expect you to write a flawless solution in five minutes flat that runs properly, right? Oftentimes they won't even check your syntax. They want to see your thinking process. Can you collaborate, et cetera? And so talk aloud. If you don't know something, admit it. The worst thing you could do is if you're going down the wrong path and just continually blindly code and sort of like, I don't know, uh, don't get cocky, right? Or don't even try and fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it when you're coding is actually a terrible thing because what that shows is that you don't realize that what you're doing is wrong. They would rather you realize that what you're doing is wrong and ask for assistance than just doing it incorrectly the first time. Um, it takes practice, right? Interviews, as I mentioned, like to apply to hundreds of places. Uh, oftentimes people bomb an interview. That's okay. Especially if it's your first interview, like they, you, you will probably go through many interviews in your life. Some will be better than others. And especially if you've never interviewed for a position like this before, it's going to be a very foreign feeling to you. And so if you bomb, that's okay. That doesn't mean you can't become a software engineer. If you don't get the job from not, you know, if you do four interviews and you don't get the job, it's okay, right? Learn from them, learn from your mistakes and get better. I think that, uh, so many people, it, it, it's like a very grueling process. That's what's weird. It's, um, it's very foreign, right? Cause we like to protect ourselves. We like to protect, protect our own ego. And oftentimes when you're sort of, sort of selling yourself and just keep getting rejected, it can feel really, really bad. Like I get it. I totally understand the feeling. I interviewed at a ton of places and got told no by almost all of them, right? It sucks. But um, understand that you have to separate that from your ego if you're going to be a software engineer, because like I said, you will interview many times throughout your career and actually the stakes are only going to go up, right? So get used to the feeling as much as possible. It'll never feel good. But um, yeah, I, that's sort of just words of, I guess, uh, advice, but also motivation. Cause, uh, you know, you got this, if it's not your first interview, if it's not your 10th interview, maybe it'll be your 11th, right? Once you, again, once you get it, you're, that is like the, the hardest step. Once, once you have an internship, you now have experience that can live on your resume as long as it needs to, hopefully not forever. Cause hopefully you'll have more experiences after that, but, um, you'll have something there that stands out on its own that future companies will be able to look at and say, wow, you know, this person, we want to work for them because of how impressive they were at X company. That's it. You know, once you finish the interview, it's sort of out of your hands and, uh, congratulations, you know, you're done. And if you, if you get an offer, then like I said, that's the first step in your hopefully long career and fruitful career as a software engineer, you know, it's a, it's a journey. And I, worked at, now I'm at a much smaller startup, but I, you know, have done the big companies. I've done some smaller companies and now I'm at a very small company, but it all, I can trace it all back to my first internship and how I felt in that room. I was actually in person. Most times it's virtual nowadays, but, um, I was in person and, um, yeah, it, it not knowing whether you're cut out for being a software engineer like that, that self doubt will, probably always be there. But, um, once you get your first internship, it sort of can confirm that identity and you're like, Oh no, like this is the thing that I'm actually doing. And, um, I hope everyone experiences that feeling who's pursuing it. Cause it is a magical feeling. Um, I want to remind you of the goal of an internship, which is to gain experience, right? This is, you're not a full-time employee yet. 
And uh, they, they know that, right? They are not going to expect the most, most out of you. And you are there to learn and to become a better developer. And there's a lot of stuff that you can't really learn in university that you really only can learn in industry. And an internship is a great place to start learning that. Um, yes, the money can be nice, right? There are internships that pay a lot, but I think a lot of people think, oh, I need to get an internship at like a high frequency trading firm because they pay a hundred something an hour for an intern. I know it's hard to believe this, but that money will hopefully be insignificant to you in the grand scheme of your life as a software engineer. So don't worry about the money so much, right? I'm, I'm not saying you should go for an unpaid internship. I think that in general, I don't recommend people take unpaid internships because I think that in the, at least in the United States as a software engineer, I think that it's sort of the standard that you should be paid. But, um, regardless, right. The, the money is not why you're doing it. You're doing it for the experience. And if you are going into it for the money, it's not going to work out for you well in the long term, in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's really it. I, I wish you all the best of luck. I, if you, like I said, if you're interested in doing a project that helps me, then go sign up for brev.dev and follow the YouTube video guide below for a project that you can put on your resume. Uh, if you enjoyed the video, make sure to like, and subscribe. If you're on any podcast platform, give me five stars. Uh, and thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate all the support I've been getting and I will see you all in the next one.